often when we're just getting ready to record, I'll look up synonyms of, of a word to try and help me figure out what to do in the intro. Synonym yeah. for monolithic, undiversified. That would be an in- interesting one to lead the <laughs> podcast with. I think you should go with it. <laughs> as long as this bit gets edited out so it makes no <laughs> sense. Someone listening, they, they just hear that. They're like, okay. We're going to get called out. <laughs> they've never listened We're to the get podcast before. So hard. This is this is like their immediate introduction to the podcast. Like ever. They're going to be like, "Oh right, this is a podcast hosting by three white people, isn't Welcome to Unmuted Unmastered, I'm Will, and this is the internet's most undiversified music podcast. On the show this week, I'm joined by Elle. Hi, yeah. In this episode, we're going to be reviewing the new album by Squid. We've got the upcoming releases you need to know about, but first, nothing has happened in the news. So I, I want to, <laughs> to bring up a topic of conversation, um, and it, it relates to... Uh, Recently, IK Multimedia had a sale on. I picked up Amplitube and Tonex. Uh, they're basically they're two pieces of software. They they're like software that pretends to be guitar amps and various guitar effects and stuff. And the reason I'm bringing it up is Tonex is a reasonably new piece of software. It's come out within the last year, and essentially what it is is it's a profiling program. So you can connect your audio interface up to a guitar amp, put a uh, microphone in front of it, record kind of some kind of output from the computer, and it will use AI to then create like a model or a profile of that amp. And you can then share this profile online. So let's say someone has like a really nice vintage Mesa guitar amp, they can profile it and then share it. And you, without ever having owned that Mesa amplifier, can download it and basically copy that sound without having to pay the thousands and thousands of pounds it would cost to get that amp. Or even the kind of hundreds of pounds it would cost to buy a, an officially licensed modelled version. And so I wanted to kind of have a bit of a chat about the ethics of this kind of profiling, this kind of AI-driven stuff. Because obviously modeling's been around for a while where in digital signal processing, people will code something and try and make it sound like a kind of vintage piece of gear, right? It's been around for ages. But now with AI, kind of the tools are out there and you can just kind of make this stuff and share it online. And what does that mean for the people who make the gear? Should they be getting kickbacks on this? Because at the moment they're not. You can just share things freely. And then there's a whole nother layer of it of what's the ethics of then selling those profiles. Because if you look at, um, for example, JHS pedals who make guitar pedals are now selling uh, basically a pack of these modeled profile, well, these profiles of amps that they have in house that they use lots of the time. So you can go and buy the profiles and then use them yourself. 
so it becomes this kind of murky gray area and i think it it's kind of not been discussed for a while because people have kind of become settled with modeling but now with the ai stuff i think this whole debate's coming up again what do you think l should there be limits should there be royalties i think my like immediate response whenever there's like a surge in ai created things is just fear um i don't know if that's born out of like you know y2k terror (laughs) or if it's just this kind of i guess like the 16 year old indie hipster in me who's like no we should like leave it to like the creatives but i think on quite a real level like there does have to be a conversation on where the kind of intellectual property lies and where the kind of credit lies especially when real people's livelihoods are being called into account with it so if ai then is kind of used off the back of a real person's work i suppose like for me it's the debate of like at what point does it become distanced enough that the credit is no longer necessary i think it's like a really kind of strange thing to try and quantify i think kind of you get it kind of with like talked about this on a a couple of episodes back about um artists being sued on similarities to other songs and it's like well there's always going to be like influences and similarities and things like that and this is obviously you know a different thing but like you always have to take that into account that like nothing at this stage is entirely unique and original so in a way you're always going to be partially profiting off multiple influences but it's, I think, when, like, the weight of, like, one particular influence or, like, a couple of particular influences then becomes so heavy that actually, if you removed that, you could not have created the final product at all. I think that's when you then need to call back to those original creators and there do need to be, like, some sort of royalties uh, kind of given or something that both acknowledges their role but also financially compensates them for something that otherwise other people are going to profit off in a very significant way um but it's yeah it's it's like it's always very murky and i think with ai especially it becomes very very murky as to like how you quantify that and you know where those like particular steps come in i think it's yeah it's a very very complicated thing to weigh up yeah, I think your point about how far away from the original product you are is quite interesting because, I mean, even if you look back to the 60s, I mean, the early Marshall amps were basically they kind of reverse engineered, from what I understand, Fender amps. So they basically took that circuit and then remade it just with slightly different parts. And that's what gave it kind of the beginnings of the Marshall sound. And obviously, then they developed it. But, you know, if they couldn't have done that, if Fender could have kind of sued them out of existence, suddenly, you know, you wouldn't have Marshall amps ever, and that would have been, you know, such a huge thing. So, yeah, it becomes interesting. And also, I mean, particularly in the guitar amp world, most of the amps that people care about were made 50 years ago, right? If you look on kind of what the most popular amp models are, it's, you know, Fender reissue 65 deluxes and twins, or you know, 
Marshall JCM 800s from from the 60s and 70s, Vox AC30s from the 60s. So it it's almost like it's not that you know these companies need that money to be feeding new development because all they're actually selling of those products are just reissues anyway. So it it, it even becomes a more difficult argument of you know if people if people don't care about the new stuff then even what does it matter yeah it's just i think it it i keep saying like it's a really complicated thing but it is but like you were saying about kind of marsh lamps and things like that like you can trace everything back to like certain routes and things like that and it's like yeah at what point do you call out where influence kind of fell over into like some form of plagiarism i think it's such a difficult thing to quantify um and i think with something like this with like amps well with anything creative you get this but with amps you then it becomes like an even bigger thing when you get different artists will use different amps to create like different sounds and then that becomes like an element of it like oh well that artist wouldn't be able to produce that very specific sound if it wasn't <clears throat> for this amp that was used on this recording in this session and it, you can really kind of spiral with it and i think there's like that as a kind of concept of like trying to trace everything back is just like too overwhelming and too much but i think i think also i think within uh, I guess like mainstream conversations around music new releases and things like that there needs to be more acknowledgement and conversation given to the actual kind of sound engineering and the people behind it or the AI behind it if that is the case so that there is that kind of bigger understanding of like that picture that goes behind a record rather than just like the artist who's on like the album art um, and I think maybe then you get that kind of uh, like wider acknowledgement of the like the actual humans behind a lot of the technology and that in a way can also then like place additional pressure on that kind of financial compensation for people's like work um because yeah i think it's it's not necessarily something that is kind of at the forefront of like you know a casual listener's mind and I'm not saying it has to be like not every listener wants to know the ins and outs of all of the technology and things like that but I think if it became more of a conversation then you get I guess it's easier to reach like a better outcome for more people um I think the risk is like if if people don't know there are people behind it, they can just be like, oh, it's AI. Oh, that's fine. And when the news comes out that it is AI, they just go, okay, I never thought about people behind it anyway. Um, but I think like that's a whole other like conversation as well about like what roles we recognise in music production and what roles we don't. Yeah, I, I always like seeing when artists are quite open about kind of the gear that they've used and they often you know you'll see kind of videos on youtube of them kind of running down their live rigs and stuff and it's it's always kind of interesting as someone who's into that side of things that kind of oh what is this band using what are they 
doing to get those sounds. Um, yeah, I'm personally kind of fine with it. And I think partly because of, you know, bands showing off their gear, people are always going to want the physical stuff. I mean, modeling amps have been around for years and years. Even profilers like the Kemper have been around for ages now. And people still want a full Marshall stack. They just they just will always want a huge, like, two-stack cab with an amp on the top that you, like, physically can't use at a sensible volume level. Because they do. It looks cool. Because it looks awesome. <laughs> and it makes you feel like a rock star. And it, yeah. it's the same with synths and stuff. Like, you know, you can get... 98% of the way to pretty much any hardware synth using software. But people still want the software, to, uh, people still want the hardware, despite the fact that it breaks every two days and it's a pain to keep in tune and there's loads of extra noise and it's a faff to keep plugging and unplugging things in in your studio. People want the hardware experience because it feels more tactile and because there's some kind of romanticism to it. So, I mean, personally, I, I'm going to use modeling stuff and I'm kind of more into the software side of things anyway. I'm fine with using all of the in-the-box stuff because for me, I just, I want to get to a really good sounding result really quickly without spending my whole bank account. But there are other people who are going to want the physical thing. And I think, mm -hmm. you know, amp builders and synth manufacturers are going to stay in business and it'll kind of be fine and this stuff basically just serves as a marketing tool because someone's gonna buy tonex for you know a hundred pounds which is insane like how affordable that is they're gonna play a whole load of different amps they're gonna realize oh i love the you know orange whatever amp and they end up using that profile for ages and then they think oh you know i want the real thing now and they go and buy the real thing because you know they've figured out oh that's the thing i love and you know without this stuff maybe they never would have tried that amp because it you know it doesn't look like what they'd think or it's it you know it's not the amp that their heroes use but it gives them the opportunity to give it a go so i think you know in some ways it works well as a marketing tool in other ways it maybe could detract from the business but i think it'll be fine for for the hardware makers i think also it's that accessibility thing for people who are financially priced out of like just immediately going out and buying the like gear that they like know of or want or kind of like see and want to replicate i think kind of having that uh, like financial openness is is only ever a good thing in terms of like enabling more people to be creative in that kind of way and you know explore those those kind of different things but i think it's it's as with everything that's like digital and things like that there's always that kind of benefit of it opening up accessibility as long as you have that kind of digital software um and digital access and it you know all of those kind of things are always good but I think, like you said, and also, again, going back to, like, another debate we've had before about kind of, uh, like, vinyls and tapes and CDs versus streaming and things like that. Like, people, like you said, like, they're... P 
people still like the physicality of something that that's never going away um as much as we enter like more and more of a digital space people still want something tangible in that respect so i think like like you said that's always going to be you know in demand i suppose it's just a case of like how you well firstly how that kind of balance works out going forward but also how like creators and engineers are acknowledged for their role within the digital space as well speaking of cds i'm currently holding the cd of o monolith by squid released on the 9th of june 2023 on warp records it's eight tracks long and 41 minutes and 48 seconds of the album the rough trade webpage says this quote Expansive, evocative, and hugely varied, O Monolith retains Squid's restless, enigmatic spirit, but it still holds surprises for those familiar with, with bright green field. It's a reflection of the outsized progression of a band always looking to the future. Like its namesake, O Monolith is vast and strange, alive with endless possible interpretations of its inner mysteries. End quote. Elle, what did you think of the album? I really, really love this album. It, I think that description is really, really good because it is just, yeah, just kind of wild. There's so much happening in it. And I mean, I love Squid and this album was kind of everything I wanted from this album in that it still felt like Squid, but at the same time, it felt new. It felt like a natural kind of, maturing of their sound um there's like these it's just like this gorgeous combination of like incredible synths these kind of strange and unexpected turns that i was like what's going on i love it um it's got a lot conceptually that i really enjoyed their exploration of in terms of like comments on nature but also um also uh, elements of like like history and folklore and things like that partnered with like politics and all of those kind of things which I just really enjoyed I thought they captured those things really well um it's that makes it sound <laughs> kind of heavy but it, which in some places it is but it's also like an exceptionally fun record um even just like sonically to listen to like because there is so much happening it's it's so like densely packed uh with sound but in such a well-crafted way it is just really fun really enjoyable to listen to um and also kind of like really hard to like encapsulate <laughs> exactly what it is um you kind of just have to go and listen to it uh but also i am going to talk about it um it felt to me almost like longer than the 42 minute mark that they give it but not in a way where I'm like oh it dragged on just because like after I listened to the first time I was like there's so much happening so much I have to say so many thoughts I have already it feels strange that that was only 40 odd minutes um and very much mean that as a compliment I would listen to another 40 minutes of this it's, it's class um yeah it's just it's just a banger to be honest like it's just strange and fun and 
kind of spooky but also playful and all of these kind of <laughs> different things um with like a really strong conceptual core uh and yeah i loved it yeah i'd agree with pretty much everything you said there i l- love this album too it yeah when you were saying about it only being like 42 minutes that kind of really resonated for me because it's only eight tracks long there are only eight songs and i'm so glad that they did that because it would be easy particularly in this day and age where albums are becoming longer because it gets you more money basically you put out a 12 track album that's an hour and something and because people are listening to it for longer you end up with more money from the streaming services like they've they've been kind of gone into the studio they've written songs they've chosen clearly i mean hope i would have to imagine the best of them right <laughs> listening to this if it's not oof. i mean if they, yeah <laughs> i was gonna say if they've got like a bunch of others that are even better i'm like why why are you gatekeeping them release them please but yeah they're they're fantastic and as i listen to squid and i feel like this may be maybe hyperbolic so feel free to just put put me down on this but they feel like like a kind of once in a generation type band and like we're seeing them play out in real time across their discography like like bands like lcd sound system on their like initial three album run like every album was incredible and and felt in a way kind of timeless and and you can listen to one of those albums now and it feels like it could have it could have been released today or it could have been released in the 70s and it would have been incredible at any point and it does kind of doesn't matter when it came out and squid feel like that to me where bright greenfield was amazing and this album's amazing and all of the stuff leading up to bright greenfield was great as well and it, you know it's just nice i guess to follow this band along as they're kind of as they're doing it rather than kind of looking back on a a band from the past and learning about them later yeah i i'd agree this album kind of adds this different feel to their music while retaining their unique sound and it will kind of get into some of the ways it does it um it drops the one element of Bright Green Field I felt that didn't work, which was the kind of long synth exploration-y parts where they kind of had the drones and, and things, which were okay, but maybe went on a bit long or didn't kind of go to interesting enough places for me. So it, that's great that they've realized that that doesn't, didn't work so well. And one of the themes I really love on this album is this kind of blend of the digital and the natural and even kind of pushing the natural into almost the kind of fantastical with sounds and lyrical themes that kind of almost go into fairy tale type stuff, but then mixed in with these very digital tones and lyrics that make it feel very modern and kind of computer age i really liked that play and they and they've done it both sonically and that's i think the kind of the big shift is all of these additions of the digital sounds and then also in the lyrics as well and so it and and the themes so it's 
it's mirrored really well and it it just kind of presents something that feels cohesive as an album like they've really thought about what do they want to do on this album and they've gone and they've done it and they've integrated that into their sound in lots of different and interesting ways and so it it just feels incredibly fleshed out yeah i agree i really really love like you said that kind of the way that they've combined what feels uh kind of what they've done is they've taken like these historical influences whether that be conceptually lyrically or like sonically and i mean much more like modern historically when i say that like in terms of like 70s or like there's new wave influences and things like that and then they've also combined it with very contemporary like of the moment stuff and they've created then something which feels timeless in a way but also like very specific in time it's this like weird dichotomy but it just works so well where you feel like you're listening to something and you, you like I know I'm never going to get tired of it like because it's and also it's not the kind of thing that I'm going to listen back to and be like oh like that's lovely but it's like such a 2023 song I almost said 2020 <laughs> Just, a, just, just a ignore the years. last three years. <laughs> um, but like, it doesn't feel, because it feels, like you said, it, it feels like this is a once in a generation band where their music, their sound is so strong that it's going to bypass being kind of re- like resigned or, or attached to one very specific period of time. Um, but then, at the same time <laughs> it has these very of the moment influences but it i don't know how they've done it but it's it's magic um and i yeah i love it <laughs> speaking of magic the opening track swing in a dream it was the the lead single to this album and it was the one that kind of set my concerns to bed basically because <laughs> You know, they, they'd done Bright Green Field and on that album I was so impressed that they'd left all of their previous songs behind, including Sludge and Broadcaster, which they'd released as singles ju- kind of just before they did the album sessions for Bright Green Field. And they went into the studio and wrote a whole bunch of new songs. And then for this album, you you just never kind of quite know, you know, sophomore albums can be tricky for bands but this one immediately it it has this kind of obviously dreamlike quality it's kind of going for that and you get the synth in the intro which has that kind of fantastic feel to it feels i know fairy tale-ish to me it has that that kind of dreamy quality but then all of the rest of the instrumentation comes in and it gives you that other darker side of dreams where it it feels kind of anxious and it induces dread and it has that darkness to it. I, I really like that kind of more nervy sound that kind of permeates the album, actually. It, and obviously, I mean, they're a post-punk band. Their sound is pretty nervy in general. <laughs> but I don't know, it was different on this album. I don't quite know how to describe it. It's... I don't know, less less kind of jumpy nerviness and more kind of D 
downtroddenness, but not in a kind of depressing and boring way. I don't know, Elle, you're maybe more <laughs> eloquent than me. How would you put it? It's more subdued, but it's still present. Yeah, there we go. Like it's this kind of, yeah, this nerviness that's almost like uh, like thrumming under the skin rather than like jump scare. Um, and it, in that way, it feels like a just a maturing of their sound. And it's it's so good. I think also... Yeah, kind of everything you were saying about this track, like where it feels kind of dreamlike or fairy tale, like I love that because you know lyrically it's it, you know it's talking about that, um, and I think it encapsulates that really well, uh, with kind of talking about like dreams and how, especially kind of I was gonna say like traditionally sonically, I don't know if you, if that's what I mean, or or kind of like commonly sonically, like dreams have are, are given this kind of ethereal tone, um. But then I think also that that nerviness that you know uh, the way that they bring that in is it's it's very them, but it's also that kind of thing with dreams where it's like just slightly unsettling because it's a dream, so it's just not quite right. Um, so dreams can be this like beautiful fairy tale thing, but also they can be like oh like everything's just a bit off kilter, uh, which I liked. I also loved like all of the references to art um, in this. Uh, song like lyrically with um uh like the uh chorus or the refrain saying to to live inside the frame um and a swing inside a dream which i th i think i read somewhere that it's a reference to a painting which i can picture in my mind i can't remember the name of but it's of like a girl on a swing that doesn't that, that wasn't very descriptive anyway <laughs> um i enjoyed that and i also enjoyed um it repeats like rococo curves uh, you soothe me and don't leave me. And I enjoyed that as well. Like that reference to a specific art movement. Um, cause I always like when there's that like element of specificity in a lyric, I just think it's, it just, it just scratches that itch. I love it. Um, and I think, yeah, that kind of works really well here. Um, and it's, it just, the whole track is done so well and it is such a strong single to lead the album firstly but also such a strong opener for the album um and it's yeah it's fantastic i guarantee if like you listen to this track you'll then be like well now i have to listen to the whole album <laughs> yeah it, it really pulls you in um while we're talking about lyrics and singles the blades i feel like lyrically was the standout song for me i so i think generally it's kind of talking about police brutality and how that can kind of depress kind of a people and I've, I've picked out just tons of lyrics. Uh, there's two lines, oh, your broken bones, joyriding in the sky, which obviously wouldn't directly reference it because of the timing of when this was recorded, but feels especially relevant after what happened in Cardiff reasonably recently of the, the children who were killed while riding bikes and basically chased by the police, and then the police trying to cover that up. I feel like it just kind of perfectly links up with this thing that's just happened and i you know that's that's almost a mark of a one of one of the great albums obviously not having to be something like this but the fact that even things that have happened after it's been recorded you can kind of link this to and pull things from the way the lyrics have been written i think that yeah it's really fantastic and i love the 
the metaphor of talking about blades of grass as kind of the people and and the way that they play with that in in different ways um and so there's the lyric thousand people down below they're bending in the wind with their arms stretched open wide they're just blades of grass old enough to be trimmed like what i mean you know this topic's been done so many times and what an interesting way of putting the police kind of so distant and not understanding and seeing kind of normal people as as an issue or something that needs to be dealt with or something that's not orderly and and all of the kind of things that go along with that of kind of it makes me think of maybe like the suburban ideal of kind of having you know the white picket fence and the the trimmed lawn and how that's maybe kind of repressive in the in a similar way of kind of making you conform to this particular thing and kind of people doing things because they think that's the proper thing and how you know maybe the police feel like they can get away with things because they feel like they're the good guys always um now i've got other lyrics i want to pull out but i want to let you have talk l about this song yeah no i mean it is phenomenal like i feel like well, I started writing down like lyrics that I was really loving and then I had to stop because I realised I was just like transcribing the song because um, it is just phenomenal. And yeah, those, those kind of lines that you picked out were like, I also, well, I thought like the whole song lyrically is uh, astonishingly good, but those lyrics in particular, yeah, it's that metaphor that just works so, so well, especially kind of later on, um, it's, it's kind of referred to as playing God for a job which I thought just encapsulates it so well. Because I think also you get that idea of playing God for a job is quite often associated with um, like other professions, like particularly things in like the medical profession. You know, it was very negatively associated with eugenics and things like that. But to have it be associated with a very common job and the job of a police officer is incredibly telling. And like the idea that actually it's this mass amount of people who who are doing that um, and it kind of really hammers home like this the systemic corruption that exists and the kind of systemic egotism that leads to such discrimination and and violence um i also really really liked with the the blades of grass kind of there's there's so much i could say about the blades of glass like blades of glass blades of grass metaphor because i think it is just it's just fantastic with the idea of moving to the wind and people moving to different kind of political leanings and frustrations and protests and things like that but also what really got me was the the phrase old enough to be trimmed because i think quite often if you're thinking of you know oh like need to mow that lawn or whatever like you, you don't think of or at least i don't like you don't think of the blades of grass as old it's like oh they're long enough or like tall enough to be trimmed or, or things like that but using old like really ties in with the metaphor of them being you know the people and with kind of police brutality like affecting children and people younger and younger and you know the exposure to to violence and corruption happening younger and younger and things like that and i think that you know that even just like that one little line i was like god there's so much just within that and i think that's really indicative of uh, particularly this song but also like the whole album like the lyrics are so well done that there's you could kind of talk about them and analyze them forever but they are just exceptionally well crafted 
Yeah, and that old enough line really plays into kind of some of the reports we've we've heard recently from formal reports and, and other things about kind of misogyny and sexual harassment within within the police force and kind of links into that really, really clearly. I I really like with the, with the we'll stick on the blades of grass metaphor for a bit. Um at the beginning of the song, they they're singing like the like the blades will keep you safe. And it feels like it's from the the perspective of the people. And then it transitions into like looking down on the blades from above. And it so it almost kind of tells the story of what that transition how that transition happens of normal normal people or people who are kind of not in that world are given this other perspective of you know around other people acting this particular way of you know being told to view normal people in this other way and then eventually kind of being corrupted with them and then the lyrics completely shift into kind of being from that police perspective the other lyric I really wanted to pick out was um, we keep you safe, never mind that noise outside and how, yeah, it just really kind of hits that, you know, we have the moral authority here. Don't worry about what people are saying. The whole kind of the fact that report after report over kind of years and years and years keeps coming out and nothing happens like just like, the police force keep putting their heads in the sand and pretending that there's not an issue and not doing anything about it. Yeah, I thought that it was just a really succinct way to kind of sum up all of that frustration and that kind of mentality in two lines, which is really impressive. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's phenomenal, the lyric writing on this and... Yeah, like you said, it's the way that they can capture something so strong in so few words. Um, I always found when you when you kind of mentioned um, like the with the way the song opens with the references to the blades, because initially we're not told they're blades of grass on first listen. It said, you know, we spin, we dive the blades. I, I don't know why, <laughs> but my head went to like helicopter blades. <laughs> I don't know why my mind went there but I was like oh wow interesting which I guess then like also has a link to like police helicopters and things like that but anyway that was just like a fun place my mind went um but also I found that upon re-listening to the song when I kind of understood the metaphor then when it opens and it says you know the blades keep you safe tonight I kind of was like oh there's the duality there where it's on the one hand you know it's this kind of this lie of like the police are, are meant to be there to keep you safe and protect you and you know obviously that is not the case a huge amount of the time um but also with the idea that you know it's all of the people the the kind of civilians who are these blades of grass the idea that it's the blades that can keep you safe like it can also be interpreted as like you have to rely on other people to keep you safe because the police aren't going to do that for you um you know it kind of reminds me of when you were told that if you were stopped late at night to flag down a bus um, because you couldn't trust the police officer in front of you, that kind of thing of like having to rely on other people because the people that are there playing God and meant to be keeping you safe are actually the ones that are kind of saying like, oh, don't mind the noise. Like, 
yeah, we keep you safe. Don't worry about it. And it's, yeah, it's it's just, it's a very powerful song with, actually, if you break it down, like, it's not, like, lyrically that long. It's not, like, this kind of epic poem or things like that. Um, but with this concept, and particularly with that metaphor, they, they capture uh, the essence of what they're trying to say so perfectly that, like you said, well, it kind of can then be used to, comment on things that happen after the writing of the song um because it it does its job so well in encapsulating that kind of you know systemic violence and and the corruption of the police force as it is and then on top of all of this great imagery and the great lyrics the song behind it is also fantastic like it opens with this kind of glitchy drum intro that doesn't have the downbeat in it at first so you kind of don't know where that like the beat should come in and then kind of the guitar comes and then the beat comes and it it's just this kind of interesting almost fake open um and then you get clean guitar coming in blending with these very 90s sounding like early sampler type sounds so it's it's again one of those situations where you got this very I mean, obviously it's electric because it's an electric guitar, but something that feels kind of tangible mixing with these very digital tones. It's kind of a continuation of that theme from earlier in the album. And then compared to a lot of the the songs before this point, I felt this one was kind of going in this modern indie rock sound. It And parts of it feel not too far from like Moorish Idols, if you've listened to their recent EP, that kind of stuff. I... I I mean, I like that EP and I like this kind of sound. And then they, they pull it in different ways, going heavier towards the end and toward, like right at the end, having this kind of soft section, which evokes kind of noughties, New York, post-punk in a way. And made me think of kind of bands like Interpol and The National, which is obviously something completely different for Squid to be doing. So it it just pulls in lots of different ways and has different sections and has kind of so much thrown in to all of the aspects not you know it it's not like oh there's a great guitar part on this song it's like the guitar parts are great the drums are great the lyrics are great the instru- like the additional instrumentation's interesting the way they've structured it's interesting you just <laughs> you just keep going through song by song and it's like oh just listing out oh, everything is really really well crafted well nailed it again and again <laughs> um it's almost boring yeah, I mean, like, isn't it you're just oh, <laughs> yeah it's like may oh, as well turn it off an- i know the next song's gonna be good another banger please <laughs> come on <laughs> um yeah i like what you said there about kind of where it goes kind of softer towards the end because i really uh liked that on this track because i think particularly with what it's uh kind of referencing with police brutality and things like that you can there's that kind of uh, like protest vibe where it can be kind of heavier and you know darker and action-backed but then it can also go into like that softer like soft protest and also like protest songs weren't necessarily they're not all these kind of like absolute hard-hitting you know percussion heavy things like a, a lot of protest songs were just you know someone with a guitar um, and so I like that they kind of have that leaning as well. And it's this kind of softer vocal thing. And it, it kind of, 
I think it gives it more power than if it had kind of like a louder, more like bombastic close to the song. I think this actually gives it something that that kind of stays with you a bit more and is a bit more arresting in in that it's softer and you almost don't quite expect that. And it, yeah, again, it's just like another great decision on their part. What's new? And it leads really well into After the Flash, which opens with kind of, I mean, across a lot of the song is kind of softer. And I, I love the, the timbre of the opening where they have like a muted guitar and what, what sounds like a Mellotron or something like that. Whatever it is, I absolutely adore that sound. I love how they have lots of really tender sounds on this song. They've got a harp in there female vocals backing up the the main vocals strings i think there's a Rhodes electric piano in there as well it's just kind of a a different sound set in it kind of a, a different level and it, that ending of the blades kind of sets you up to for your ears to be ready for this rather than coming off of kind of the back of one of the bigger tracks that it maybe would have felt jarring coming to this yeah it's yeah it's another track that well, that's another thing as well as like the album is so well structured in terms of the tracks that follow on from each other that that is as a listening experience, like it's just like gorgeous to listen to as well because I'm I'm such a big fan of when albums have a narrative. I know I've said this like a billion times, but I love albums that have a narrative. I love albums that when you listen to it as one thing, it's that thing where it's like the sum of the the of the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. I feel like I've butchered that, but anyway, the that whole is kind greater thing. than the sum of its parts. Yeah. That's the one. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I love when that happens. And I, this album does that so well because yeah, like Will said, when you get that kind of transition, it's, it's done so brilliantly that you do, you get something a little bit extra from the fact that you listen to it in, in that uh, kind of order. Um, this track again, like I wrote down like a bunch of the lyrics cause I think it is just gorgeous. Um, but one that kind of really like got me <laughs> I think also coming off the back of the previous track um was how hard can it be to live a normal life or make a nation cry uh which I just thought was like a stunning couple of lines um and again it's just this kind of thing where they have they say something that you can kind of pick and pick and pick at in terms of like finding meaning and that kind of thing in so few words and I think what they're really good at is these kind of this great balance of like these overarching statements and comments that feel broad so that they kind of have this mass appeal in terms of like being relatable to a lot of people or being very indicative of a certain kind of much broader larger concept but at the same time they can feel like intensely personal so you know, like the way this track opens is uh, you've been searching for this, just the little normal. I've been doing the dishes, playing parlor games. Like that scene of domesticity, like feels so tangible and kind of normal. And yeah, you kind of have this balance of these things that feel very intimate and intensely personal, but also these things that feel like they're encapsulating the state of the world. Um, or at least like the state of like this society, like in Britain. And I think that that, the way they do that in so few words is is just like a phenomenal skill and a phenomenal talent. 
Yeah, even as you read it out, that that lyric's so interesting because how easy is it to live a normal life? Like you'd hope quite easy, but then to make a nation cry, you'd hope it to be really hard. But it seems like it happens far too often. Like it, it's yeah, it's just such an interesting two things to sandwich together, and and yeah, just a really nice couple of lines to to craft. I really want to talk about Siphon Song, which for me was kind of the the standout track that I hadn't heard already because I'd listened to the three singles quite a lot. I really, really loved this song, how it opens with these eerie kind of windy synth tones that kind of give way to the talk box or vocoder vocals. And even as that transition happens, it takes those more kind of airy, natural-sounding synths, and they slowly shift into sounding like a sawtooth wave. So it it just has this shift from the kind of natural to the digital, uh, which I absolutely loved. And then, yeah, the, you it could so easily have been really cheesy, but the vocals, I think, work really well. And part of it is that the main refrain is is really, really good. And I think actually maybe one of the catchiest lyrical moments on the album and even the way that they've kind of added to it as well with the backing vocals kind of swooping up and down is like a fantastic addition and the way it builds and and the energy that kind of builds up towards the end to where at the end they're they're kind of like screaming through the the talk box or vocoder and it gives it this really weird sound and then you get to the end of the track and they bring those airy wind textures back, but they're really distorted. It, it it just feels like it follows on so much from, you know, at the beginning it was kind of like natural and switched into the digital. And then kind of it sounds like everything's been blown by this huge crescendo that they reach. And then kind of everything's not quite right anymore. I, I just love ev- like the way the song's structured each individual part it's yeah really fantastic yeah i mean <laughs> you've said like pretty much everything there like it is it's just such a good song like to me it yeah as well this is one of the absolute standouts because it's just it's just incredible um firstly just like as like like sonically just like as a lis- listening experience it's incredible and it feels to me I wrote down that it felt like almost like cinematic and not in a sense of like oh it's these soaring orchestral movements kind of thing but in a way that it felt almost like I think it's it's nearly six minutes yeah it's five minutes 58 seconds and it felt to me like a short film like I was hearing a short film um like if I close my eyes I was like oh yeah no there's a short film playing like it because it just captures these these emotions and it evokes such strong uh kind of imagery and feeling that's it's just phenomenal um to get because i felt like i was having like such a like sensory reaction to something that was actually just audio um but it's yeah it's just amazing like kind of you've touched on so many of the the kind of elements to the music there much more intelligently than I can (laughs) but it's just it's great (laughs) um and also lyrically it's again it's these kind of things where it's like like topically it's something that you know people have talked about before where it's this kind of 
uh, I guess, like, fear and these kind of, like, existential crisis and, like, you know, being online and existing online and, you know, all of those kind of concepts, like, bundled up, which, you know, are always kind of covered. Um, but, again, they've done it in such a, like, squid way that it, it becomes, like, a whole new thing that feels like intensity I'm like oh my god like they've got it like that's it um it's yeah there's there's like so much like with the refrain as well like yeah like I said it's it's very catchy so I mean that's just like a banger in general (laughs) but also like lyrically it's it's got these kind of little bits in it where you're like oh god like the bits that got me were it says um uh, clip from size you're looking rough was that another month gone can't get the kick or taste the salt and now the memory's gone um and I think particularly listening to that in like a post lockdown scenario I'm like I mean I did it earlier like I almost like ignored the past three years <laughs> because like time felt like it moved so differently um and that happens you know a lot of cases for like a lot, a lot of different reasons but particularly in relation to trauma and things like that where it's it's suddenly time has has disappeared and you know, you're like, oh God, like we're suddenly, you know, in a new month or, oh my gosh, I actually can't remember this like very significant thing or, or even like the insignificant things. Um, and I was like, oh, they've, you know, caught that really well, but also kind of, you know, like can't get the kick or taste the salt, like these these kind of very visceral, like tangible things that they, they cannot get anymore. Like they are like beyond um, because you're kind of being like sucked in almost like sucked into them what becomes like this instrumental like this sonic thing and it it does feel like you are being kind of like swept away on it and it's yeah it's just a phenomenal listening experience like if you've got six minutes i'd recommend spending it listening to this i do want to make sure i give a a shout out to the guitar across the album and one element in particular is in devil's den there are these great guitar arpeggios and the finger noise is is like really clear, but because the guitars are both playing different parts, the finger noise where that you can hear like their fingers running along the strings as they're moving to a different position, almost creates this like call and response like rhythmic effect to it. It's like one guitarist will move to a different position, and then the other one responds by moving them, and you get this kind of weird like screeching back and forth in the left and right, and it. You know, it's small touches like that. Like, you could have easily kind of edited that out, probably, and and had it sound really clean. But it sounds like it's a very deliberate decision, and it creates this really interesting texture. Um, And this song in, in general, again, really good. They This was the one where, like, in the if you actually listen to the running order of the album, it's the first one where you start to hear, like, the really digital synth sounds. And, and it starts to kind of play into that blending of the digital and the natural. And a lyric I picked out from this one, pouring the water into the hollows. Just like that, that wording of the hollows really get, it kind of amped up that kind of fairy tale feeling for me of them playing into that while also having the digital tones as well as these kind of two counterbalances, I guess. Yeah, no, this track is, I was going to say, it's another banger. That's because all of the tracks are. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I really like what you said there, Will, about that kind of, uh, like that kind of like effect that they left in, where you get it kind of coming across in, in both ears. Because that, 
in a way like mimics like lyrically and conceptually what the song is getting across so it kind of it's kind of bringing uh like the idea of the witch trials where you know um well, they have the lyric, like, you're dead if you're floating, you're dead if you sink, because the whole concept of the witch trials was, like, they threw you in the water, and if you sunk, you were grand, and if you floated, then you were a witch, so they set you on fire. So, like, either way, it was a death sentence, and, like, the way that they kind of reference this, and they pull out right at the start, they reference Vinegar Tom, which is a play by Carol Churchill that is about, uh, like, the witch trials in the 1600s, um, and so they're like immediately bringing this kind of historical thing up but then like you said well it's like the first time on the album that you hear these uh kind of synths and that that modern take on it and it's the way that they kind of contrast those two things the way they contrast you know you're dead if you're floating you're dead when you sit you're dead if you sink and they you know it's like the whole song feels like it's this constant seesaw between different things where like the takeaway is like you're screwed <laughs> essentially um and especially then when you listen to this I found that the more I listened to this on uh, like re-listens of the album kind of when I brought in like the other tracks of the album I was like god this really does stand as like an indication of how thing how little things have changed in terms of you know back in the the 1600s this was like for witch trials and you still kind of get that today with well still with uh violence against women and girls but also with and you did back then, but it, they weren't, like, called the witch trials. Um, it was just straight-up murder um, of, you know, people of colour and that kind of intense and very violent discrimination and that kind of bottom line of, yeah, that's it. Like, the option is dead or dead is, like, very significant. And, like, the more I listened to, to it, the more I kind of, like, felt the power of it um and also the the kind of refrain where they say do you know what you've done no I haven't a clue and I was like god that's just haunting because again it goes back to the witch trials and again can be talked about with violence against women and girls women and girls but what I really thought of like on kind of re-listens was um particularly with uh kind of the the murders of like innocent unarmed black men uh particularly in America where they would kind of say you know I haven't done anything I'm innocent and you know they were unarmed and they would be killed and it was that kind of thing like do you know what you've done no I haven't a clue that kind of again it's like such a short phrase but encompasses so much um and I think it's just yeah again it's just a phenomenal song yeah and I think with the lyrics I mean we're recording earlier than we normally do so we've had less time than we might normally have to listen to the album but I feel like there's still so much more to dig into about kind of, I'd, I'd kind of got the witch trials references, but maybe not in gotten quite to the point of picking out that idea of kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't, like you're just kind of dead either way. And, you know, I think the more we listen to this in a week's time, maybe we'd have another hour's worth of, stuff to talk about it just feels like you know you can keep going deeper and deeper um do a recap episode at the end of the year be like here we are three more hours of thoughts <laughs> we should just do a yearly episode like on on this day every year we'll record yeah. a squid o monolith <laughs> review <laughs> <laughs> it's like um 
have you heard oh what's the name of the podcast it's uh something like till death do us blart that's the name of the podcast where they Ooh, no. it's the McElroy brothers from my brother my brother and me and they mm. r- review Paul Blart Mall Cop 2 I think once a year every year that's phenomenal what a concept I love yeah. that that's gonna be us <laughs> except we get a more enjoyable thing to watch than or listen to than <laughs> Paul Blart Mall Cop uh, I want to talk about undergrowth which I think, I I think if you enjoyed their last album, you don't need something to tide you over. But this is probably the one that if you weren't sure on the rest of the album, but you liked their previous stuff, this is the one that would maybe convince you. Because it does have that slightly brighter tone to the sound, even though it's still quite kind of ang- like dark in, in general. Um, I love the two sections of the chorus. Like it. It just does the tension and release so well of kind of the uh, ergonomic for the rest of my days. I rather melt, melt, melt parts. Like, it, just the way that it shifts, like, immediately into the other feeling just works really well. And uh, from, like, the four and a half minute mark, there's a synth sound that comes in again, bring that kind of digital energy. It it really reminds me of um like songs from the big chair era, Tears for Fears, which is a weird reference for them to bring in. <laughs> but it really works for some reason. Like it just has that that feel to it. But it, it I guess kind of evokes feelings of those maybe earlier synth albums like some people's first exposure to synth music and so i guess it i don't know it's kind of maybe trying to link to something subconsciously about this shift towards things being digital and less human in a way yeah that's already i've not well i've not made the tears of fears leap myself um Everyone but has it, to make the definitely... Tears for Fears leap at one point in their life. Everyone has to... Well, now I'm thinking of Tears for Fears, I'm thinking of Radio 2 in the park. <laughs> and I'm like, well, maybe Squid will join Tears for Fears on stage. Radio um... 2 in the park doesn't exist. It's a prank the BBC's <laughs> playing on UL. <laughs> I genuinely... I'm like, I've read the article on it now. And I'm still like, Radio 2 in the park is a fever dream. It's not. It's not. It's not a thing. Someone at um, the BBC was like overheating in an office today. <laughs> it was like thirty degrees, <laughs> and they wrote this article. They're like, we'll just wait until someone picks up on it. Um, <laughs> they made the Wikipedia page to cover their tracks. Yeah. <laughs> um. Anyway, this song. <laughs> uh. Yeah, it kind of, it does, it has that uh, kind of synth feel. I think I referenced earlier, like, that kind of new wave feel that, um, like, exists as well. Like, it, it has that kind of element to it, which, um, I suppose in a way, it, it kind of, again, like, references back to um, a, a kind of time when the digital was, like, really taking off. And I think like that's very interesting, like particularly on this track where it, it kind of has this 
you know, it compares like uh, like a person to an object and, and that kind of thing. And I suppose that, that kind of like take on it, um, particularly referencing like, you know, the dawn of like the digital age as we know it now, like with it becoming much more integrated into people's homes rather than just this kind of like external thing that you could go out and experience like that kind of access to it within the home and like within the domestic space and it becoming then almost like a part of yourself, like an extension of yourself and things like that is very, very telling. And then, yeah, that kind of refrain of like ergonomic for the rest of my days, I'd rather melt, 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 um, ad infinitum I think is is then like a very interesting take on that um and kind of I guess it's perhaps like a con like a comment on like the usefulness of uh like a person but also kind of the idea of like having to be uh like of use or having to kind of have a certain skill set or things like that to kind of I guess like keep up um and then that kind of fear that things are moving so quickly that you don't know if you're going to be able to keep up. So it has the lyric, uh, do you worry about what comes next? This new obliqueness that we'll deal with. I mean, that really kind of captures it all. It's like, again, it's like the more digital we become, like how far do we stray from like these core principles of being human? Um, which I think, you know, in a lot of ways, like there is that kind of fear around it, which you know, people still love fire, like, that's not going to go away, like, we're not going to just go, like, fully digital all the time, um, but there is that kind of digitalization of things, which leaves some people feeling, I guess, like, no longer needed, or of use, or, or kind of present in, in the same way, and I think there is, oh, there's a lyric on, uh, on the blades, but essentially, I was kind of thinking, like, with the concept of you know like fire and you know people still liking that and it not being digital and all that kind of stuff there is also the lyric on siphon song where um like it talks about a 2d flame surrounding the building i'm in now like on this website and it's this idea that even like these very very tangible physical concepts can be digitized and like i think it's just another example of like how the album like all comes together as like this like huge conceptual thing that might be talking about different things but like as a whole at its core it's it's still like strongly got its own identity of like here's the state of things the state of things is actually very similar to the you know the things like that have always like felt this way um and it's yeah it's just really interestingly done do you have anything else you want to talk about the only other thing i definitely wanted to mention is that the last track has such a fantastic name uh which is if you had seen the bull swimming attempts you would have stayed away more of those kind of track titles please i love them that's mm. that's phenomenal phenomenal work yeah that song title is great right I like that, I just to uh, say that. <laughs> there's only two of us here and this is going to be the longest review we've, we've done I was all like year. we've gone on for so long <laughs> and I'm like mm. there's still actually more I could say <laughs> mm. save it for next year yeah, yeah yeah I'm gonna keep a running log of like all of my thoughts and then next year bring them all out right 
let's rank it then. Album rankings for listeners are down in the description, so you can swipe across or down or however you do it on your podcast service to go and have a look. Um, the only album this year that I'd say kind of matches this in terms of enjoyment for me is Young Fathers. Because I, I absolutely loved that album. But I think... I mean, they're so different, it's kind of pointless, but I'd probably put this one at number one. Yeah, I'd do the same. <laughs> Dead easy. I'm like, this is the easiest we've ever done it. Apart from the first week of the year. Imagine if James comes back and he's unhappy with this. <laughs> he's like, I'd have put it right at the bottom. <laughs> that we've spent a whole hour that. talking about this album and <laughs> yeah. then put it at number one and he's like, uh, 22. He's like, hmm, like, average. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Oh, Monolith by Squid is our new number one album. White Reaper's finally been knocked off. I mean, still a great album, to be fair. As is... Be heavy is also a good album. You brought up Young Fathers. I'm like, I haven't re-listened to that one in a while, and now I'm like, I'm gonna go do that because it is a banger of an album as well. It certainly is. As is Jesse Ware. So you know, great <laughs> we'll just albums. keep going through. <laughs> <laughs> so is Yay. It's been a great year for albums. Twenty twenty year. Twenty twenty three was a fine vintage <laughs> for for album <laughs> releases. Right, we are running uh, long, so I'll go try and get quickly through upcoming releases. I messed up last week, and I did the releases for this week instead of for last week. So, so if you want to know what's coming out this week, uh, <laughs> over 120 episodes, I didn't make that mistake, and then 121, it all fell apart. Um, I'll tell you what, okay. so when you're listening to this, this will be albums that came out like four days ago on Friday. So there are albums you can go and listen to now, which is almost more useful than albums that are going to come out in four days. But, you know, uh, whatever. <laughs> first off, Killer Mike, uh, the rapper and one half of Run the Jewels, is releasing his first solo album in like something like a decade. It's called Michael. So that's one to check out. Australian band King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard are releasing a new album. It's called Petrodragonic apocalypse or dawn of eternal night an annihilation of planet earth and the beginning of merciless damnation 10 out of 10 that is what i'm talking about with track titles as well like i want album titles to be like this yeah just long <laughs> and finally queens of the stone age releasing a new album called in times new roman also, I saw a news article that uh, their frontman, Josh Homme, is that how you pronounce his surname? Hom? I have Home? no idea. Uh, is Hom? just recovering from a cancer operation, so hope he feels better soon. And Sending well wishes. Doesn't punch any cameramen again. <laughs> that's it for upcoming release, and that's it for the show. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Elle, for joining me. Thank you for having me. It's been a good episode to record this one. I don't know if it'll be any good for listeners with us just fawning over this album. You know what? 
I'm hoping that the summer heat only makes it more more and more <laughs> like this every week. By the end of summer, it's just us, like, utterly delirious. <laughs> <laughs> it's just us really badly singing <laughs> the songs from the album yeah. we just listened to. <laughs> Finding a Tears for Fears reference in every album. <laughs> <laughs> We've got, like, the, the cat sample keyboard. <laughs> We're playing the songs. <laughs> If you like the podcast, you should subscribe on your podcast service of choice. New episodes come out on Mondays and you can turn on notifications if you're likely to forget that. If you'd like to help the podcast grow, share it with a friend. That's the best way to do it. That personal touch goes a long way in the podcasting world. If you'd like to hear more from us throughout the week, you can follow us on Twitter at Unmuted Weekly. Maybe we'll tweet again. It's been ages. I'm not very good at keeping on top of it. If you want to get in touch with us, you can drop us an email at unmutedunmastered at gmail.com. I can now announce that the album for next week is Careful of Your Keepers by This Is The Kit. <laughs> <laughs>